It's time for a study break. That's going to sound awful. Hello and welcome to Oh No Lit Class Study Break, your 15 or so sweet, sweet bonus minutes of that good, vaguely literature-adjacent content. Yes, nailed it. Feeling good about that one. I'm Megan. I'm Matt. Matt, this is Matt. Matt Hawker is here and... Oh, do you want the full name? <laughs> I can do the full name. Oh, I don't, I don't know. We don't, we don't have to do the full No, I mean, when, when people usually introduce themselves, I, I just, you know, they only say their first name. No, and... we can go, you want to reverse? We can go back. Yeah, no, it's good. I I think I just, I threw it. I'm Matt. I did it. Ha, I did it. (laughs) Damn it. Wait, I said the same thing. It doesn't matter. Sorry. (laughs) I felt, I felt moved to do it just because your show is your full name, I think. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) And that's very fair. Very fair. But uh, thank you for having me on again, Megan. It's always a a pleasure to be on your wonderful, fantastic literary show. Oh, oh, shucks. Oh, you. You flatterer. Oh, no, I mean it. I mean, you, you got a good thing going. So what have you come on to talk about today? Megan, I have come on to talk about the evolution of language. You know, in my day-to-day life, I have a lot of people who talk about things like, oh, you can't use that specific word. That's not the correct way to use that word. Such as saying something is literally this. Like, oh, this spaghetti is literally Satan on skates. You know, it. the spaghetti can't, it's not, you can say it's literally Satan on skates. It's not a literal thing. It's fine. It's the evolution of language. Language is flexible. If a bunch of people use a word in a specific way, that becomes the new way to do it. And that's perfectly okay. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, that's how colloquial usage works. And and the literally thing is a, is a pet peeve for me because when I was a youngin in, in the olden days, first coming up in the, the English major world i was absolutely that little pedantic asshole who was like well you didn't literally die so like and it's just like no we know you don't have to point it out stop being a little shit and just let people talk (laughs) well i guess we agree so that's the end of the episode we did it um i'm matt this is megan you know we've had a good time today we'll see you all later (laughs) (laughs) uh um no, but that that you know, it's it's the truth though, and, and I wish there was someone on here who disagreed right now, so I could like shake them literally, not literally though, because we're on podcasts. I, I don't really see a lot of literature sort of doing things, uh, a lot, well, a lot, a lot of books that I've been reading lately that sort of dive into that sort of context. But then again, I've been reading a lot of, uh, I, I want to say it's sort of like David Foster Wallace esque books recently. That sort of go into that sort of surrealist, weird nature of of writing styles, and it's 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 been a it's been a hoot. It's been a good time. That's one of those things that I always want to appreciate, especially like David Foster mm-hmm, Wallace. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I had a contemporary lit and like postmodern lit professor who adored David Foster Wallace, and so we had to read uh, one of his collections of uh, essays. We had to read infinite jest and then we had to special order because it had like just came out at the time um what was it called the pale the pale king i think it was called the pale king yeah and i i can't 
I cannot, um, especially with Infinite Jest. That's just, I was ready to, and it's it's thick. For anyone who's not familiar with, with Infinite Jest, it's like the size of a phone book. You could kill a man with it. You could kill two men with that book. You could. You could. You could kill two men easily with that book. I just, I have a fraught relationship with postmodernism, but I like his essays. I actually used to teach Consider the Lobster to kids, which is all about how... Dave Foster Wallace is at odds with that is a ice cream truck. I don't know if people can hear that or not. <laughs> I can't. Yep. Oh, now I can. There it is. Megan, could you get me um, a vanilla ice cream with sprinkles? Yeah, you know, well, while, while you're waiting, I'll just grab Appreciate that Appreciate that. Um, well, and there's a train. Wow, oh, it's just oh, a great it's afternoon. It's all happening all at once Sonically. just for you. What what if they're all heading to your house right now? Yep, they're just all. They're coming. like, give us your literature, <laughs> give us your books, give us your book opinions. But yeah, for anyone who's not familiar, the, the Considered Lobster is a essay by David Foster Wallace about how he feels like a hypocrite in that he will happily eat a lobster, but he doesn't have like the stones to like kill a lobster or where it comes. You know, think about where it comes from, and that you know, a feeling really weird about eating animals and that it's you know you probably wouldn't kill a chicken yourself and if that makes you uncomfortable maybe you should be a vegetarian but you're probably not gonna be a vegetarian and in this sort of like recursive circle and i was like you know what yeah i feel that i too david, am a huge david is a baby who, he is a big <laughs> baby you know listen i've been a vegetarian for about six years now for no reason i don't care I, I mean, animals, they're animals. It's a, it's a lobster. It's going to crawl around the bottom of the ocean, and then it's going to die eventually. So you might as well eat it. Like, everything dies. Except, except it so might, might never well die. It. That's the freaky thing about lobsters. Yeah, but something's going to kill it eventually. <laughs> or the earth's going to explode. It's going to die no matter what. Everything's going to die. Like, anytime someone's like, that's never going to die, it will eventually. Something's going to evolve and eat it. Fair enough. Or it's going to eat itself. Hey, hey maybe, maybe don't but, attack me for my use of language. Oh, you know, you're right. I'm sorry. You're you're right. But 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 so like I'm saying though, like just like the predators of the lobster, language evolves. And that's that's what I was getting at there. You know what I mean? I'll say that my experience with David Foster Wallace, uh first of all, he's it's it's so hip to like David Foster Wallace. That's it's so hip. But um It I, is. It's all all the cool kids, all yes. the cool literature kids like David Foster Wallace. Yes. And I always have to feel like a lame kid because I'm like I can't with the fi- with the nonfiction. It's a little better with the fiction. I just can't do it. I like it, but uh, it's uh, see, it's tricky. There's there's a line here. So I'll I'll say that um, I read Infinite Jest after I read. Oh no, I forgot the name of the book. Suddenly, just now in this moment. Oh my god. Well, never mind. Let me move on from that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, was it another Dave Foster Wallace book? Or no, a... it wasn't. A, it was. A, it was. Um, oh my God! It's about an atom bomb, and it's about an explosion, and it's tons and tons of pages. Oh no! Uh, it... Gravity's rainbow. Oh, Gravity's God, rainbow. Pinchin. I read <laughs> Infinite Jest right after I read Gravity's Rainbow. Both recommended uh... to me by a friend. So Infinite Jest was an easy read compared to Gravity's Rainbow. That's true. In- Infinite Jest is a it's a goddamn palate cleanser after Gravity's Rainbow. Yes, it yes it was, but I'll say that a lot of um, the reason I, I I I brought David Foster Wallace up, and I'll, I guess I should add that my focus in literature was poetry, and so when I went to school, I had a large focus in poetry, postmodern, modern poetry, that sort of thing, and 
And that is why I have such a strong belief in the flexibility of language, I think, because I like breaking down grammar. I like breaking down line work and just sort of manipulating it to the way I want it to be based on whatever form I want to create. But there's two things to, to note, that even in language that we manipulate and sort of weird up, it usually, if you look at the, if you sort of widen the lens a little bit, it has a form of consistency that's still uh, relatable to whatever language patterns we've seen before us. So with that in mind, I would say that a lot of the language morphing that we see probably isn't as weird as we think it is when we first hear it. It's just a continuation of a pattern that we've already developed. It's like a new pattern. So instead of boop, 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 it's boop, 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 boop. You know, it's a, a new boop in the series of boops. <laughs> a new boop. No, I do like that. That's good. And, and uh, as someone who whose focus was not poetry, and I always had like a tough time with a lot of poetry just because I've always been kind of like a big picture sort of writer and poetry is it's so much on the the micro level and like yeah every word and way that a word or sound is being used matters and I just always found that to be very impressive level of writing because it's usually in like such a, a much smaller space and you have to think about it on a, a sort of much more specific level and so I usually just approached poetry with with fear and awe <laughs> I uh I love writing poetry, but holy cow, poetry is another one of those things where it's just too <laughs> hip. I love poetry, but I also can't stand it. Um, it's it's the same thing with David Foster Wallace. I enjoy his work, but I can't stand it. It's, I think, it's, I, think that's I, fair. I, I do both at once. <laughs> so a lot of writing folk that I know have, I, I'm trying to think the best way to explain this. So imagine you, you're taking postmodern writing style. And so a lot of these writers, they like to do, they think it's a really cool thing to reference real world things. So they'll bring in like movie references, uh, current politics, things like that. And they'll start connecting these things that are referential that don't make sense together, but they're there. So they juxtapose all these strange things together. And after a while, it just starts looking like fan fiction. <laughs> like fan fiction seems to be the next step of postmodern literature. And maybe that's what we're heading toward. Maybe that's what all language is heading toward, just fan fiction. And when you think about it, kind of everything is. Oh, yeah. Um, there was some someone, I don't remember what the exact situation was, where someone was, like, tweeting something at, like, Neil Gaiman talking about fan fiction being dumb or whatever. And he's like, oh, I won some kind of, like, whatever literary award for writing what was basically Sherlock Holmes fan fiction. So, like, chill the fuck out. <laughs> and... A lot of authors coming up now, you know, started writing fan fiction. Like Rain Rainbow Rowell is an incredibly popular uh, young adult writer, and she started writing the fan fiction. So I think that a lot of people of the age now are like they have big people jobs, and one of those jobs might be writers, um, are people who grew up doing like online fan fiction communities and stuff like that as like where they started writing so it kind of makes sense in a weird way that that's gonna like bleed more into what people are writing about and how people are writing and absolutely i think all literature is emulation um it is it is it is always a homage or a reference to the previous generation's work usually 
um, and it is an extension of that. So this is going to sound so weird. Okay, so it goes back to literally the moment you're born. The moment you're born. The moment from the moment you're born. Literally to the moment, the moment, you moment die, you're born. Everything you do, <laughs> literally the moment you're born. Literally, you are absorbing the experiences around you, and you can only take from those experiences to craft something new. So it would make sense to me that fan fiction is a good starting point because you have to emulate someone else's work. You have to take their characters. You have to learn their style. And it's why I, I, um, a lot of famous poets in history would force themselves to learn another language in addition to their main ones so they could practice another style and another form. And often it would better their primary language and, and or rather the, the, their writing that they would create within their primary language. That's cool. <laughs> so the, the emulation take is a really... Uh, smart way to look at things and so when i think about the evolution of language and people saying things that we've never heard before and the day-to-day -day words that we're putting out or the colloquialisms between one another i, I think a lot of it is just i want to take this thing i heard and i want to make it different and i want to make it better and so I, I think that's a good way to look at it all we can do as a generation and as writers and creators in general is take the things that we've seen before and try to make them a little bit better Maybe. Shit, man, that's really good. <laughs> well, I've had a lot of water today, so you know I'm hydrated. Yeah, no, I, I I can tell you got them you got them juices flowing. No, that's like a really nice kind of lovely sentiment, especially because I feel like um a lot of the knee jerk reaction is to kind of shit all over that and be like, those aren't words. Oh, that's a made up word, and it's like I, I hate to break this to you, but all words are made up words. <laughs> All of them. Every single one. We probably used a word today that no one's even heard oh of. Oh my god, that ice cream truck is just coming in. Is he in the house? Did you lock the door? Yes, he is. He's in the house. Uh -oh. He's handing me a Choco Taco, which is nice, but Ooh. I would really prefer if he would leave. You know, I just want to let you know that my favorite ice cream flavor is Graham Central Station ice cream. I just want to put that out there to the world today. It's an amazing ice cream. It's hard to find. Incredible stuff. I, is it like a Ben and Jerry's flavor? No, it no, it's not. It's okay. I'll, I'll tell you the background of ice cream. We've we've moved on from the deep literature. Yeah. Let's get into ice cream. This is the ice cream show with Megan and Matt. No, we talked about the the evolution of of language and and literature and postmodernism. Let's talk about some ice cream. Let's let's let let's take a scoop of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Graham Central Station used to be at the following ice cream locations: Brewsters. Hershey's ice cream locations, wherever they're at, or Hershey's brand ice cream, and then Friendly's. Friendly's stops selling it, and Hershey's rarely has it. The only place that has it, where I live anyway, is a place called Brewster's. Graham Central Station is graham cracker, like, shreds broken down and mixed with, like, a sugar paste, and then that's mixed with the ice cream. And you know that, um, like, when you make, like, a like an ice cream bar and it has, like, or... Like the, the melted chocolate that freezes on the ice cream? Yeah. That's broken down into flakes and then mixed into the ice cream. We are talking a top-tier ice cream, Megan. We are talking government secret ice cream. It sounds really good. I've been trying to figure out how to make <laughs> It's so good. Megan, I've been trying to figure out how to make this ice cream for a long time, and every attempt has failed, which means there's only one thing that could possibly explain how they're making it. I don't know what that, that thing could be. Literal magic. Literally. <laughs> oh, and he br brings it home. <laughs> We're home, folks. We're home.
we we don't have any of those things that you listed in here in Florida. So I guess I'm just gonna have to suffer the the pain of never knowing about this wonderful ice cream. I'm sorry. You know, Florida to me has always been the melting state. It just looks it like it's melting. Pr- pretty much for always, especially that right now. It is just the worst. Well, have fun with that. I will. Thank thank you for, for coming on and giving like way more legit literary and language analysis than people are used to hearing from, <laughs> from either me, RJ or myself. No problem. So where can people find you and the wonderful things you do? Um, they can find me, Megan, on The Matt Hawker Show. It is a podcast that is surrealist, absurdist, strange, blah, blah, blah. You know the drill. It's there. Just look it up. It's my name. That's it. It does make it easy to find. Like, it's, it's just it's just your name. There's not going to be anything else like it. Yeah, just, just The Matt Hawker Show. Well, there is a guy out there named Matt Hawker who does Lego stuff. I've been trying to like contact all the other Matt Hawkers on the internet lately. None of them respond to me. It's infuriating. One day, <laughs> one of them will. Well, they're just no fun. Yeah, they're pretty lame Matt Hawkers. At least you're a cool Matt Hawker. I am very cold today. I wish I was cold today. Literally. Literally wish it. In the meantime, until next time, I'm Megan. I'm Matt. And we love you. Goodbye. We love you so much. I'm going to edit this so much because I just sound like a dingus every time.